Hello everyone and welcome to Rad Chat, a multi-award winning first therapeutic radiographer led oncology podcast. Welcome to a bonus episode in collaboration with the MR Linac Consortium. My name is Norman Joker Anderson and I'm joined by our fellow host Joe Fulano. Hi everyone! So we're very excited to share this collaboration to showcase patient experience, clinical practice and research around the MR Linac. So we're pleased to introduce our guest uh, today, Cameron Bailey, who will be discussing his career and also introduce the series. Hi Cameron, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's great to have you on. Would you mind just by telling us a bit about your career today and what you get up to every day? So thank you. Thanks for having me uh, on the show. It's really nice to to um, be part of it. And uh, so, yeah, so I trained as a therapeutic radiographer uh, up in Scotland and I worked in a couple of different centres in my career. I started out in the Northern Centre for Cancer Care up in Newcastle, uh, which was a really, really fun post to be in and I really enjoyed working up there. Uh, that was my first band five position. Um, and then I moved down to uh, the Royal Berkshire and I worked there for about a year uh, as my as a band six. And then I was lucky enough to be given an opportunity to work um, in the Royal Marsden in London. Uh, well, Sutton and Chelsea, I was split between the two sites. Um, and I worked as a clinical radiographer on set uh, treating patients but I was also involved in um, the undergraduate and postgraduate uh, training for radiotherapy students so I sort of managed all of all of our students on on site and their clinical placements so that was a, a really cool job I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that job um, and then I I was always just really interested in the tech side of things and how much impacted on patient care. So I was approached by um, a recruiter uh, and offered an opportunity to interview for a job with Electa. Um, and so it was it was too good an opportunity to, to miss to be involved in helping to improve the tech that we use on set and improve the quality of patient treatments. Um, so I, I joined Electa about six years ago and um, I started out life there as a, a verification engineer. So I worked on the development of the integrity software system for the, for the MRA, sorry, for the Linux um, side of things. So basically the, the programmers would hand me over what they'd coded for the machine and then I would purposefully try to break it and hand it back to them. <laughs> Um, which was great fun. They hated me. Um, and uh, and then I moved into training Mosaic internally for Electa. So I trained the trainer uh, on Mosaic so that they could go out into the hospitals. Um, and now I work for the medical affairs team. So I transitioned into the medical affairs team and I primarily help with the MR Linac consortium now. So my job on a day-to-day -day basis is to help with the communications um, of standard practices uh, across both internal and external to the consortium. And I help by uh, with running our research group, well, running the, the support for our research groups and uh, making sure that our key opinion leaders and our, our healthcare professionals within the consortium have access to everything that they need to just further the boundaries of, around MRGRT and MR-guided radiotherapy. So 
So Cameron, I have lots of students at the moment who are near graduating and they're all like, I want to work for industry. Uh, you get paid all the money. It looks really <laughs> glamorous. You get to go to all the conferences and wear lovely outfits and everyone wines and dines you. Cameron, can you tell us the realities of what it's like working in industry, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you don't get wined and dined quite as much as you think you might uh, when you're a student. <laughs> sadly um i mean it is really exciting to be to be working in industry and i i love the position that i'm in because um we do go um to estro astro you get sent out um to talk to people and there's lots of um opportunity to uh, learn about lots of different aspects and it was such a uh career well obviously a career shift but it was just such a, an awakening when i moved across from from being a therapeutic radiographer into industry, um, just the pace of life is completely different um, and uh, in a good way. <laughs> um, you know, you you have a lot of opportunity to, to grow and expand in, in different directions and understand the differences, um, the, the, impact, uh, the impact that the machines have and, and how they're put together. And then therapy, uh, like the, your training and your uh, clinical practice suddenly all sort of clicks into place and you think, oh, that's why that is. Oh, I understand now. So, um, I mean, it's brilliant, but you definitely need to have a good grounding in your in your uh, clinical practice before you make that jump into industry, I would say. So um, a good couple of years of, of uh, just treating patients and understanding the field is incredibly necessary. Um, so by all means go for it but stick in the hospital for a little while i would say do you get a corporate credit card though i do i do get a corporate credit card but unfortunately i also have a manager who who uh, watches what i'm spending it on so there's no fancy dinners unfortunately it's usually just a sandwich out of wh smith and a bottle of coke you know Cameron, can I take you back quickly? Why did you want to be a therapeutic radiographer? I came from a, uh, an NHS family. Uh, so my, uh, my mum was an occupational therapist. My sister was also an occupational therapist. Um, my dad uh, drives ambulances. Um, and uh, so being in the care sort of world was, was part of life. Um, it was something that I always felt was the obvious step and it, it just meshed really really with our family values and and where we came from as a as a as a group so there was never really any question i suppose of me not going into some kind of caregiving role and when i was at university i uh was doing some looking around and uh, did some uh, work placement as an as an ot and decided that it wasn't really for me but um i came across therapy radiography and uh, it, as i say it kind of it combined that technology factor and um the care uh, and it just seemed like a perfect fit so i applied to queen margaret up in edinburgh um and thankfully they took me on <laughs> they said yeah we'll have you um so that's where it all began yeah 
that I before that I had studied biology uh, up in St Andrews so um, it was again it was a sort of natural natural progression from a general biology degree into something a bit more specific. So Cameron what is the MR Linac Consortium? The MR Consortium is a is a really exciting organization. Um, it's been around since 2012. It was founded um, by um, uh, seven academic partners plus Electa and Philips uh, in order to uh, develop the MR Linac and uh, to do it in such a way that it actually met clinical needs. Um, so obviously I've not been around that long. Um, I've been on board. I'm a relatively recent addition to the, to the team. Um, but it's a fantastic opportunity for peer-to-peer -peer, um, support and networking. And we have a wonderful group of people who are global at this point. We have 91 uh, hospital centers that are members of the MR Linac Consortium. And they're engaged in all sorts of interesting research, um, which we'll be talking about a little bit later in the podcast series, um, including the Momentum Project and our hypothesis testing programs as well, which are aimed at furthering clinical evidence around the MR Linac and, and its impact and importance in the world of radiotherapy. So we have many, many different sites of interest as well. We have uh, tumour site groups, so specific interest groups that are led by a clinician, a radiographer and a physicist. And they specialise in things like bladder cancer or breast cancer or prostate cancer. Um, and they essentially decide what they want to push forward uh, within our consortium. And, and they, they work on standard practices as well as new research. So we have created within the consortium a, a number of standard practice protocols that are kind of a recipe book for MR treatment um, on, on an MR Linac. Uh, they're really fantastic bits of documentation because a thing like the consortium just doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, it's never been really done before. So, and it's all volunteers. Um, nobody, uh, there's no, you know, formal legal stru structure to the consortium. It, it's, it's purely passion from these people who, who just really, really believe in the MR Linac and, and making the quality of treatment for patients better. So, you turn up to work every day and you think actually i'm part of something it's it's fantastic so how long does it take from an idea to get to clinical practice the mr linac uh in the last year and a half two years ago was given its ce marking so they started developing it in 2012 and then uh, it took a good 10 years to sort of get it from drawings on a page to something that was actually being used by about seven seven academic institutions um, including the Royal Marsden, the UMC Utrecht in the Netherlands and, and several other hospitals that have all really impacted the shape of the pathway that we've taken to develop the system. Um, other things take a little bit less time so our standard practice protocols for example they 
they're being updated all the time um, as new clinical um, research comes out or the, the, the team that are designing them in the tumor site groups decide that actually they think that this is better or that is, that's maybe not part of what they do as a standard practice anymore. So yeah, there's, there's development going on all over the place um, at various, various rates, but we really have exploded in the last couple of years. Um, we've, in my uh, tenure so far, uh, in the last two years, we've gone from um, about 60, 60 sites up to the 91 that we've got now. And we just continue to have people joining and contributing. Um, so, yeah. Can I ask, so, you know, you've got the big workforce within radiotherapy and they're sitting there going, I've got my 10 year LINAC and it makes all the creaks that a 10 year LINAC makes. Um, <laughs> and they're thinking we can't afford to replace that. Why should they be listening to this podcast series? You know, if someone's thinking, well, this is just aspirational to have an MR LINAC, you know, for me, working in my little department, um, which maybe doesn't have the funding. Why should people still listen to this podcast series? I think the answer to that is because MRI in radiotherapy, it really is the future. I think what we're aiming to achieve with the MRI machine is a standard of care that you just can't give on a normal, using normal CT imaging. Um, and it, it might take a little bit of time for us to get there, but I, I really honestly believe that um, there's enough momentum and passion within the community to, to make that worthwhile. And even if you haven't got it now, um, it's, it's becoming more and more likely that centres will, will start moving towards that as we go forward. And, and for example, when I was up in Newcastle, we we were planning some of our treatments on the MRI machine. I know that it's, you know, head and necks and things like that. It's some, if you have access to it, it, it really improves the quality of your treatment. And, and the MR-LINAC, um, the, the beauty of that system is that it allows you to precisely locate your tumours um, in real time and treat them whilst you see them. Um, and that's just irreplaceable you can't do that with any other system and it allows you to dose escalate reduce fractions it improves quality of life for your patients it reduces the side effects that they're gonna they're gonna have after their treatments that reduces the amount of time they they spend traveling to and from the hospital and the amount of time they have at the hospital and it's it's just a game changer it's a paradigm shift and it it will i think really really improve the quality of life for hundreds of thousands of people across the world so it is it is a little bit aspirational but i don't think it needs to stay that way are there any places in the world that are leading the way at the moment yeah so our our um sort of primary sites the founding members of our um, consortium were spread across north america and europe and so we definitely have a strong base, particularly in Europe. Um, and we have um, centers like the UMC Utrecht who have 
um, three uh, MR Linux in at the moment, and they're they're really important in our researching activities, um, along with the NKI. Um, Tubingen have in Germany have just um, got they've just won the HTP actually the Sian Gani uh, who's going to come and talk to us about our rectum uh, trial hopefully um, has just been awarded the HTP sorry the hypothesis testing um, funding for this year um, and we have some really strong hospitals in North America as well so we have MD Anderson um, we have um, UT Southwestern, we have um, some great collaboration going on uh, across there as well. But I think what's really interesting is that also in um, the Asia Pacific region, we have a lot of great stuff coming out of there as well. We have um, hospitals in um, basically almost every continent of the world now who have an MR Linac and um, they're doing fantastic things. Uh, we have our Genesis Care partners in Australia um, who have just uh, released some work on a SIM-free workflow for patient treatment, which is fantastic to read about. And um, you'll be, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, um, and we have other sites who are beginning to really improve the number of patients that they've got going through their systems in in india for example yashoda hospital has uh, treated their first hundred patients on the on the mr linac so yeah it's we've got some leaders but we've got everyone's kind of chasing that uh chasing that top spot <laughs> you for anyone who is now invested you've sold them the fact that they need to listen to the podcast series who have we got coming on and who are you looking forward to hearing most if you can answer that question that is <laughs> <laughs> well now you're putting me on the spot um well we have uh, Alison Tree coming to talk to us she's uh, the um, prostate specialist at the Royal Marsden Hospital um and she's also the uh, chairperson of the MR Linac consortium so she's She's really important to everything that we do, um, and she's coming on uh, to talk on uh, two of two of the podcasts. I think uh, one alongside a patient, and then another one to come and talk to us about some of her clinical research that she's she's got going on. So, I, it's always a pleasure to listen to Alison. She has such a a wonderful presentation style. So that's going to be a real treat, I think. Um, and then we've got another couple of radiographers coming to talk to us as well. Um, so it'll be really nice to hear from a radi radiographer, therapy radiographer point of view, how the system is impacting on their work and what they're doing and how they see the future of, of radiotherapy and where it's going. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to those those guys coming as well. Um, yeah, everybody should join in, should tune in and listen. <laughs> So Cameron, um, in terms of kind of sustainability, um, what what kind of do you see with the MR Linac? Do you see that that's something that essentially will replace our standard treatment linear accelerators in the future? Um, well, I mean, I think there's always going to be a place for a for a workhorse standard linear accelerator. But as I said, kind of previously, 
the we're interested in developing treatment paradigms that are not really possible on using a, a standard CT imaging on a on a LINAC. Um, so I think the future at the moment of the MR LINAC is that we need to continue developing our um, clinically our our hypothesis testing trials both within the MR LINAC consortium and out with um, to really show the value of MRGRT in in the world in general. Um, and then and also but also technical development. I think the MR LINAC is is a device that is going to be is going to allow us to be even more precise um, and become more automated as we go forward. And so it will it will allow um, patient treatments to to be infinitely more um, reproducible, uh, safer, higher quality, um, and improve outcomes. Um, just because you can see what you're treating, um, and you can uh, you can reduce your organs at risk margins, you can in increase the dose. Um, and the beauty of the MR LINAC is that it is a is an information generating uh, generating machine um, because there's an infinite number of MR sequences that you can apply to patient treatment. So once you've got that information, you can leverage it to to automate care even further and and allow the system to improve the the quality of the plans that you're using to treat patients uh, going forward. And and I think you know we were talking about aspirations later. I think one of the aspirations for this device is that it will it will kind of become a self-driving in inverted commas machine so you can use it for many standard standard treatments and standard uh, setups um, without any difficulty so i think moving into the future yes it, it should replace um, a linac a standard linac um, because it will improve improve everything uh, for, for patients and for the staff who use it. It reduces the amount of time that doctors need to spend on set so they can spend that time with, with their patients. It reduces the amount of time that radiographers are having to be off doing, you know, image checks and and all of the associated sort of work that allow, takes them away from being with the patients. So, yeah, I think, as I say, top tips for going forward would be learn as much about it as you possibly can because first of all it's just fascinating it's really interesting um and quite amazing with what you can achieve uh, nowadays um and of course i'll do my own little plug now if you guys don't mind go and visit our mr linac consortium website um and find out what we're up to that we keep it updated uh, regularly with our our news and our information and you'll get a feel for for what the consortium's all about so yeah and if you're interested then reach out to us we're always happy to hear and answer questions Perfect. and obviously with your corporate card you can take people out wine and dine them oh all the time just don't tell my manager <laughs> <laughs> love it well thank you so much for coming on uh, obviously we're very excited about the series as well it's going to be yeah, it's going to be very fascinating and lots of really good guests that you've helped um, introduce us to. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Rad Chat.
Your hosts today have been Naman Chalker Anderson and Joe McNamara. Uh, make sure you check out all the wonderful social media posts we have along with these episodes. Thank you for listening and take care. Mm-hmm.